0: Into the Archives with Peter Fleming. A quest for the lost children's television classics of Peter Fleming. Presented by me, Peter Fleming. This week, Episode 2, The Environment. Hello there, my friends. Peter Fleming here, creator of Dungeon Dwellers, the brains behind Sally the Silly, and, to some, the perpetrator of Morton's School of Mincing. Whichever of those I am to you, thank you for once again joining me on my search. Now, at the end of last week's episode, I promised you that today I'd be discussing the acts of subterfuge with which I was finally able to get Magpie taken off the air. Unfortunately, I shan't be able to do that after all, as a couple of days ago I lost the relevant paperwork whilst I was fighting a dog but I have a real treat in store for you today in its place. Today, I shall be talking about the efforts I went to throughout my career to raise environmental awareness and create a positive change for the nation's children. Some would say these efforts largely met with failure, but I am an optimist and prefer to think of it as extremely limited success. So, without further ado, this is... Peter Remembers... Well, my love of nature can be traced all the way back to my childhood. Uh, Back then, my favourite thing to do when I wasn't watching the television was to go to my local park, take in the greenery, have a go on the swings. In recent years, I actually went back there one day, and, you know, the place hasn't changed at all. The children shouted at me to clear off when I was a boy, too. Uh, but once I was grown up and finally working in television, I began to receive letters from fans of my programmes who were concerned we weren't doing enough to look after this beautiful planet. I quite agreed, and I took their concerns all the way to the sixth floor. But uh, well, the old radio men who were in charge of the Beeb at the time, they, they just dismissed them as nothing more than the children of hippies and cranks, or qualified scientists, as they're now commonly known. But I wasn't deterred, and I took it upon myself to make more and more programmes that embrace the idea of green living. No harm in making the children think, if the programmes were popular anyway, and sure enough, those programmes are today as fondly remembered as they are missing from the archives. The Grasshopper's Appreciation Society was the first in 1966. Another notable one was Wilfred's Windmill in 1968. Uh, One of my own favourites was actually my very first programme made in colour, 1970's The Solar Powered Boy, which really showed the possibilities of clean energy. Sadly, that's missing too, but in this case at least, I can fortunately play you a short illustrative clip from the first episode, which survives on a fan's off-air audio recording. But Mr McGregor, children don't run on electricity. You'll see, George. (laughs) And if you know where the rest of that lengthy sequence might be found, do please get in touch. Now, as these programmes continued to capture people's imaginations, the sixth floor finally started to take some notice and allowed me to try out a green initiative that I still consider one of the highlights of my career. In June 1976, I managed to power the entirety of BBC Television Centre on clean electricity for a whole fortnight. Now, what this involved was the building of a huge dynamo in the very centre of the doughnut, as it was called, the central ring of the building, and we constructed over this dynamo a huge circular treadmill. All we needed was enough people to keep running on it round the clock and hey presto, power! The trouble was, once the thing was built, these volunteers weren't really forthcoming. But we got round that in a very cunning way. What we did was we bust in around 600 children from local schools, set them all running on the treadmill non-stop, and told them it was for an episode of Record Breakers. <laughs> I, I, I still remember, you know, four days in, one of them calling out, Where's Roy Castle? <laughs> and I burst out laughing. <laughs> so, if you were watching a BBC programme between the 12th and the 25th of June that year, that's how we got into your living room. Uh, The whole two weeks it lasted, uh, up until the parents got in touch, having found out where their children were, and the endeavour had to stop. Uh, But to my mind, it was more than worth the resulting 14 months I spent in prison. And I have more discussion of another green endeavour coming up, right after this commercial message. Has metal detecting lost its thrill? Sick of finding tedious Roman coins and unexploded bombs? then why not invest in the Peter Fleming Film Can Detector? Specially altered from a normal metal detector at significant personal risk, it detects the metal of a film can buried under the earth. And celluloid, too. Please note, not scientifically proven. But for some people, nor is global warming. Take it out in the field and you'll be finding lost TV classics in no time. The Adventures of Plompy, The Puffin's Promise, The Ground's The Limit. Send off for yours today to receive a complimentary homemade clock. Batteries, numbers and hands not included. Essentially a disc of paper. The Peter Fleming film can detector. You'll really dig it. Warning, alteration to existing metal detector as exposed wiring. Do not use in rain or outdoors. Order now. Well, I hope that wasn't too intrusive. I had hoped I'd be able to fund this programme with the licence fee for old times' sake, but... Uh, Seems increasingly unlikely I'll be hearing back in that regard. And speaking of hearing, it's now time to delve into the Audio Archive. Audio Archive And for today's audio treat, as well as the solar-powered boy, I'm pleased to share with you a longer off-air clip. Uh, This one from one of the Granny Green public information films I made in 1973, designed to discourage children from littering. We join the film as naughty school pupil Sophie is leading her friend Harry into a park, all whilst drinking a can of her favourite ginger pop. Come on, slow coach. I don't like this, Sophie. Don't be such a baby. We said we'd go to the park. On the way to school, not instead of it. What are you doing? Finish my drink, Dumbo. You can't just throw litter on the ground, that's littering. Granny Green will come. Granny who? Every time someone drops litter, Granny Green comes out, they say. Wherever you are, she finds you. And she comes and picks up your litter and she adds it to herself. She's got a body all made out of litter and she picks you up too and takes you away and you can never come back. Cods, Wallop. It's what my Nana told me. Oh, sucks to your Nana. Grow up. What's that? I warned you. Look. Don't draw what is it i said so it's her she is real why hasn't she got any eyes run i i can't move nor can i give her the rubbish i can't reach it no 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 We certainly cleaned a few parks with that, I can tell you. And uh, I understand soiled a few beds as well. Unfortunately, that sound is all that's left of the films, as the government almost immediately ordered them destroyed. Incidentally, if you watched the films when you were younger, I understand the government does still currently offer a special counselling service you can take advantage of. Uh, and I should say, if anyone at home remembers how it looked and is concerned about the environmental impact of Granny Green's litter costume, uh, you'll be pleased to hear it's safely stored, though uh, not on display for some reason, at the Museum of Childhood in London. Uh, we made sure there was no waste whatsoever from the production. Uh, even the prosthetic skulls of the children we used at the end were made of painted tin tinfoil so they could be easily crushed on camera when required. Uh, After filming, they were sent off to that year's Blue Peter appeal. Well, uh, now it's time to talk about the lasting legacy of my environmental programmes with this week's Big Interview. The Big Interview For this week's Big Interview, I still haven't been able to find anyone, I'm afraid. The Big Interview I wonder if I should just cut the segment, really. Uh, Instead, let's read some of your own correspondence and see how the wider search for my programmes is going. In Messages from Beyond. Well, since last week, I'm pleased to say I have received over 3,000 letters contained within the 597 words of the two pieces of correspondence that have come in. Uh, This was before I, unfortunately, had to leave my accommodation a couple of days ago, after losing it in a fight to a dog. Uh, I may yet go back to see if anything else has come in, but uh, to tell the truth, it's probably been eaten by now. Uh, In the meantime, at least, uh, Philip in Romsey asks, Dear Mr Fleming, any tips for a budding missing episode, Hunter? (laughs) Well, Philip, uh, where to start? I would say it's always worth looking into people who used to work in television. Uh, A lot of them have built up collections of their own over the years, and you never know what you might find if you go looking. Uh, For instance, in 1996, I went digging through Tony Hart's bins, and I found that that gets you banned from Surrey. Uh, If you want to try something similar with other people, by all means do, and at the very least, I'm sure you'd be able to help them with the recycling. Uh, Secondly... And lastly, Gemma, in Chichester, writes, Dear Peter, I am writing simply to let you know that your programmes made a wonderful impression on me when I was a little girl, especially the Caroline's Castle series in the early 1970s. Even the theme music stirs memories in my heart. Do, 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 do. Well, she, well, she writes the entire rhythm of the uh, theme music out at that stage. Uh, there's not good for uh a couple of pages. She had uh, longer opening titles back then. Uh, she goes on. And as for the end theme tune... Da, da, di da... De, well, no, she goes on for another, uh, another three pages then. End music was even longer. Uh, and then she continues. Best wishes, Gemma. Uh, well, Gemma, thank you for taking the considerable time to write your letter and do get in touch again if you happen to know where any episodes of Caroline's Castle might be found, which might be more helpful. Well, if you listening at home have found any trace of my programmes, or if you'd like to order a film can detector, and please do, they're taking up uh, quite a lot of room, I'd love to hear from you at the following address. Peter Fleming. Behind the door, the buzzing's coming from. Heaton Moor Electricity Substation. Heaton Moor Road stockport s k i look forward to hearing from you messages from beyond well, that's about all we've got time for on into the archives this week But join me again next time, when I'll be looking back to Longleat in 1991, when the 40th anniversary celebrations of the Knockabout Boys ended in a somewhat surprising medical emergency. Until then, my friends, keep up the search, keep in touch, and stay tuned. Into the Archives was presented by Peter Fleming archivist and producer of the program is Tom Burgess. Music and sound were found in A Skip in Maida Vale by Peter Fleming and remastered by Tom Burgess. The Solar Powered Boy and the Granny Green public information films were written, produced and directed by Peter Fleming. Complaints about Granny Green should be directed to the estate of Edward Heath. The clips were used with the kind permission of Devin Dobley and remastered by Tom Burgess. Special thanks to Eleanor Morton and Steph Hotchkiss. This program was a a Peter Fleming production for you i suppose